Hey, and welcome to The Living Stone, a digital ministry from Greystone Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here's this week's scripture reading and sermon. The reading for today is from the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. But a man named Ananus, with the consent of his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard of it. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in and found her dead, they carried her out and buried her besides her husband. And a great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these things. The word of God for the people of God. Perhaps no truer words have ever been spoken, and great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these things. For 14 years since the day I was ordained as a minister of the gospel, I have avoided preaching this piece of scripture. (laughs) The reasons should seem fairly apparent if you were paying attention just now. Throughout all of church history, Ananias and Sapphira and their story have evoked fear into the hearts of preachers and laity and stewardship chairpersons alike, leading some to suggest that A, the expectations stated in the book of Acts around generosity in the early church are not descriptions of a reality, but rather an ideal that has never really been accomplished. Or B, that the practice of such radical generosity was so unrealistic, so unsustainable, that it it really only lasted for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months at best. But it certainly couldn't have characterized the majority of the earliest Christian communities. It's just too much. But some would also argue that these lesser interpretations diminish the meaning of the text and hide it away behind our own insecurities around stewardship and generosity. 
as an interpreter of the Bible, and more specifically, as a preacher, though, my job is not to take the sting out of the text, but rather to deal with it directly, to clarify it, and to bring it to bear on our current situation. Though the story of Ananias and Sapphira is widely known and widely avoided, its context within the book of Acts is also widely ignored. You see, after the Holy Spirit appeared at Pentecost, the story that we shared together last week, after the Spirit appeared at Pentecost and animated the disciples with the ability to speak all kinds of new languages, the movement of those earliest Christians came under public scrutiny. Nobody knew quite what to do with this group of Jesus followers who were growing in number daily. And the way that Luke tells the story in the book of Acts, the disciples prayed for courage in the face of this new scrutiny. And when they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit once more. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. But speaking with boldness was not enough. Y'all have heard the saying, talk is cheap, right? So the whole group, which had grown to more than 5,000 believers at this point, had begun living together, sharing in community, a beloved community. Koinonia is the word in Greek. And in that kind of holy community, the relationships become so strong, the lives so woven together, that the needs of the community transcend the needs of the individual. You see, the church was the primary community, and the community was the first priority. And so after describing the culture of generosity that was growing in the early church, one that was strong enough to ensure that no one among them had any need because everyone was taken care of by the community. After explaining that kind of generous culture, Luke then gives us two examples, one of which we read a moment ago. But just before that story, Luke tells us about Joseph, whom the apostles renamed Barnabas, meaning son of encouragement. And in just a little tiny sentence, we get the story of Joseph, or Barnabas, who sold a field, sounds familiar, and brought all that it um, earned, right? Sold the field and brought the whole entire profit and laid it at the feet of the apostles. Makes me wonder if he got his nickname before or after his incredible act of generosity, son of encouragement. So after the story of Barnabas comes the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who, like Barnabas, also had some land and decided to sell it. Only they kept a portion of the profit for themselves and conveniently failed to mention that when they brought their offering to the apostles. Now, maybe they were newlyweds. You know, we don't know much about them. So maybe they were in their early careers, and they didn't feel like their offering would make much of a difference, and so why not? Or maybe they were just starting out, and maybe that field was the only thing they had. What would they live on if they brought it all and gave it to the community? 
Or maybe they were kind of mid-adulthood and they had a bunch of kids and some of them maybe even were enrolled in college. How were they going to pay that bill? (laughs) Maybe they were getting closer to retirement and they were worried that they might outlive their savings. Or maybe they worried that their gift was so rich that it might surpass the gifts of others and the church might become overly dependent upon them. Or maybe they just wanted to enjoy the fruits of their labors and felt that the sizable portion that they'd already brought and presented was enough. Whatever their reasoning may have been, Luke did not include that in the story. But their words and their deeds didn't seem to match up. You see, they had joined their community in praying for boldness, but when the opportunity came for them to practice what they'd been praying for, their actions fell a little bit short. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the church and thus lied to the Holy Spirit, and they ended up paying for it with their lives, which makes us all a little bit uncomfortable, or it should as we consider our own relationship with money and with generosity. But in the words of New Testament scholar Justo Gonzalez, the lesson to be learned here is that God, I loved his words, God is not to be trifled with. God is not to be trifled with, and because God is a serious matter, God's church must also be a serious matter. One cannot go and play church like children go and play doctor. No, to lie to the church is to lie to God, to say that we, that to say that all that we have is God's and then to deny it to our brothers and sisters is to mock God. The price in the case of Ananias and Sapphira was physical death, but the price in our case may be even greater, Gonzalez says. Spiritual death. See why we like to avoid this piece of scripture? (laughs) Maybe we feel like we don't have a lot to give. Maybe we are worried about the future, and we're just holding on just to see what's going to happen before we commit. Maybe we have already given, and we feel like it is time for somebody else to step up and share the load. Maybe we remember Ananias and Sapphira and how they held a little back from themselves, for themselves, and we know that we would have done the same thing, or maybe, in fact, we know that we do do the same thing. It takes money to pay our bills. It takes money to care for our families. Y'all know it takes money just to live. And it would be completely irresponsible just to go and sell everything we had and to give it all away. But here's the beautiful thing. That's not exactly what the story's about. The problem with Ananias and Sapphira was not that they retained the property for themselves. The problem was that they did it in a spirit of dishonesty. They were playing church, so to speak, like the children who go and play doctor, refusing to allow the generous spirit of Pentecost to cultivate a generous spirit in their own hearts. 
And God desires a generous spirit. God desires a spirit of generosity characteristic of the generous spirit we talked about last week, the one that flew open the doors of that Pentecost room and was so radically abundant to fill the streets outside. You see, even though the story of Ananias and Sapphira is a story about money, it is also a story about the mission of the early church. The people gave generously in the church because the mission of the church was to be itself a lived expression of the kingdom of God. And remember, in God's kingdom, the last are first. And so therefore, in the church, the last are also first. And if in God's kingdom, grief and pain and suffering are shared, then also in the church, grief and pain and suffering are shared. And if in God's kingdom, love abounds and overflows beyond our imagination, then also in the church, love is to abound and overflow beyond our imagination. And most relevant to the text today, if in God's kingdom, the people are generous, then in the church too, the people should be generous. You see, it doesn't matter what the kingdoms of this world say about money or status, about love. What matters is that those who profess with their mouths that they are followers of Jesus, that those learn the language of God's kingdom and live it with their own lives starting right here. You see, the mission of the church is to be a lived expression of God's kingdom. So when we come to church, we come to learn the language of God. We come to learn to speak like the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and yes, generosity too. We learn these languages here, and at church we speak them with one another so that eventually we might become fluent and they start to feel like our native languages as we reorient our lives around God's kingdom in such a way that whether we are here in our pews or outside in our everyday lives, we can't help but speak the language of love and generosity because they just overflow like second nature to us. Can you imagine if the world were full of Christians like that? We come to this place, this church, this community to learn the language of God so that we can speak that language, not only with our mouths. Remember, Ananias and Sapphira were good at that but so that we can speak it with our lives, becoming loving people, sharing people, generous people, full of a radically generous spirit. And we cannot learn to speak that language if we are not willing to practice it here, right now, with this community of fellow learners. You see, generosity is not for the church. Generosity is for us. 
It is for you and I. We give to God. We give to the church so that we might practice the language of generosity, so that we ourselves might become more generous people, so that we might better embody the generous spirit of God in this world. That was the mission of the early church, and that is the mission of Christ's church today, to be a living example of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. When I think about that here in this unique place, so many names and faces come to mind, especially where generosity is concerned. But one more than others, and that's Eileen Trawick. Eileen was a founding member of this congregation, and she gave her whole self to the success of this mission. After Eileen passed away, her son told me a story about the early days and a meeting that the founders had uh, as they were beginning to build, uh, to buy the land and to build the campus. Some of you may know this story better than I do. But apparently, as the story goes, when they were signing their names to the loan note, Eileen, like the others, signed her name. And with her signature, she was committing her word, her promise, her whole self that this place would be a priority for her, that it would be her spiritual home, a training ground where she would come to learn and to practice the language of God's kingdom, where God would cultivate within her a generous spirit. But when she left the meeting, the thing that makes this story so special, so unique, is that Eileen did something that I'm not sure anybody else did. Eileen went out looking for a job. Now, Eileen was already working overtime, raising five boys, but she knew that if she was going to say with her mouth and sign with a pen that she was all in, she really needed to be all in. She wanted to do her part, and she was already doing so much. But in order to do her part as she saw it on that day, she had to go and get a paying job. I wonder if the disciples around her renamed her Barnabas. Someone who had a generous spirit. Someone who was born, who, within whom was born and nurtured and allowed to grow the generous spirit of God deep within them. And those of you who knew Eileen or who were around when she was here know that that spirit of generosity did not stop in that moment, nor did it stop with her, but rather it became a native language that bubbled over and around and infected this whole place. And when people live like that, we all become a lot more generous. Because we soon discover that we have a whole lot more within us than we ever imagined to have. And that when we give it all, our whole selves, all of our gifts and resources to the church and to God, we can do together more than we ever imagined possible. We might even become a living example of the kingdom of God, a kingdom of abundance, a kingdom of generosity. And with that, memory and that kind of generous spirit, we don't have to be afraid as we remember the early church 
And as we remember the stories of those who brought their offerings before God, we don't have to avoid those texts and pretend they're not in our Bibles. But we do have to take seriously the questions that they pose for our lives. Questions that ask if we have been honest with God, if we have been honest with our church, if we have been honest with our community about what we have to offer. And have we allowed the generous spirit of God to come in and create a generous spirit in us? Let's pray. Oh Lord, you know our hearts. You know them better than we know them ourselves. You have poured out your generous spirit around us and within us, giving us all that we need to live in Christian community with one another. Give us the courage now to give generously. And as we give, create within us a generous spirit that just keeps on expanding so that your kingdom may come, so that your will may be done on earth, in Raleigh, and even here in Greystone Baptist Church, here as it is in heaven. Amen.